Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat va ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome back to Food for Europe. This podcast is the third in a mini-series on the key elements of the European Union's common agricultural policy. In this episode, we're looking at farming as a business and a livelihood, the economic dimension. First and foremost, farmers are entrepreneurs, but they're working in a profession that's at the mercy of everything from the weather to global geopolitics. The European Union supports farmers' livelihoods through the single farm payment. But beyond that, there are budgetary resources available to help farmers become better business people and to guide farms towards greater profitability. First, welcome to Iman Boat, team leader on economic sustainability from DG Agri. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Iman, we've made podcasts on the environmental and social elements of the CAP. We focus so much on the environment in particular. Are we forgetting that farming is first and foremost about business and livelihoods? Nowadays, there's so much attention for the environment and climate, but the CAP is creating a whole framework for uh, the farming economy to function. Uh, think about the external uh, protection against world markets, so the tariff borders. This is an important element. Secondly, uh, we define markets at European level. And by doing so, you create the internal market and that has an enormous impact for farming. When you look at the budget, so the, when you talk about subsidies, still roughly half of the budget simply goes to uh, farm income support. So the economic aspects are not forgotten at all. And in this program, we're going to be looking at farm advisory services. Iman, why are these so important? When you think about farming now, Farming is changing rapidly because of different reasons. So think about the climate. Markets are changing quite fast uh, and farmers have to react. Technology is coming on the market, but also organizational changes. So what does that mean? As a farmer, you are sitting on your farm, can be quite a lonely business. You see all this change coming, you have to react and you, there are plenty of opportunities to make use of. But how to know what to do exactly and how can you talk to... And that's why the farm advisor comes in and that's why a farm advisor can be so important. Iman, stay with us. We'll talk more later. But now to Ireland to learn more about the work of farm advisory services. Let me introduce you to Phil Stewart. So we're here in County Longford. So we are in, the, you could say, the North Midlands where we farm, we are literally beside the bog. So you go from low-lying, moory kind of ground, then up into heavy clay kind of ground that can be quite stony with limestone, and all the land runs into bog. And the bog is peat, it's relatively flat, low-lying land. Generally, is always on the wetter side than the drier side of things. We're farming, I think it's around 450 acres, a mix of rented and owned land. We're dairy calf to beef farmers, so we rear, this year we reared 246 calves. Uh, we also grow tillage. We've, um, I think, 220 acres of crops this year, everything from beans, beet, maize, 
oats, wheat, spring barley and winter barley. We're also contractors as well, agri-contractors. The easiest way to explain what we do is we do everything but hedge cutting. Uh, we also have a farm shop where we sell our beef. That's, that's kind of the outline of what we do on the farm. But behind every great farmer, there's often a great farm advisor. The Irish State Farm Advisory Service is called Chagask. And when Phil decided it was time to settle down and make his living from the land, he turned to Chagask and its local advisor, Shane Devaney. My first dealings with um, Chagas, our farm advisory, was in 2016 when I was looking to come home to farm. And as part of getting the herd number and figure out my way around all the different grants and supports that were available for young farmers, we got in touch with Chagas then and Shane, who helped us out then to get me established as a young farmer, get walk me through all the grants and everything to, to get me up and running as, as a farmer. One of the many notable aspects of Chagask is that it not only provides advice and support to individual farmers, but organises networking activities so that farmers can learn best practices from each other in groups, as Phil explains. You can ring there at any time you're thinking of doing something and you kind of end up going walking through, well, what's the cost? And also, um, as part of, of dealing with Shane, I've been on the grass group, which has really opened up my eyes to running paddock systems for the beef cattle and something that I wouldn't have done a lot in in college as I'd done crops and machinery course. So it was really an eye-opener to see how to do it, go on different farms, see how to do it efficiently. And then Shane gave me a hand in kind of walking through setting up the paddocks, how to measure grass and just really double down on our grass efficiency, which makes a huge difference when you're trying to get cheap weight onto cattle, which ultimately that's the bottom line, the cheaper you can get weight on the cattle, the better. So it was definitely a big help. In his own way, Phil has gone from receiving farm advice to dispensing it, using the power of social media to forge new communities of people interested in farming. I'm also a YouTuber as well. So we upload videos every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday of everything we get up to on the farm, whether it's cattle work, tillage work, whether it's contracting work, whether it's silage or basically whatever we get up to. You, literally, you can have a video from washing chickens to go to an agricultural show to the next video route combining. So it's a wide range of stuff that we show on the YouTube channel. And I'm at the point now where there's people all over the world watching what we're doing here in South Longford, how we're farming. We have a couple from New Zealand working for us at the minute. And that was through a YouTube video I put up saying we were looking for someone to work for us. And they're here and now we're learning about how to farm in New Zealand and they're learning about how we farm here in Ireland. And it's just a great way of, of getting out to the general public how we actually do things rather than the negative portrayal that's often seen in, on the media. Well, no negative portrayal here on Food for Europe, at least. Thanks to Phil Stewart, known across social media as Farmer Phil, someone definitely to follow. Now, Phil was talking about Shane Devaney, the farm advisor from Chagask. And Shane was on hand during our visit to Longford to give us some insight into his work, sharing with us some of the most challenging aspects of his job. The most challenging aspect uh, at present would be the workload. It uh, has increased a lot in the last couple of years. A lot of the schemes are online. Um, we find with a lot of the clients we deal with, some of them in the past would have done some of their own paper applications. 
Now they have to come through uh, us and the advisory service to get a lot of the work done. A lot of correspondence is, is online, so uh, that's made things a lot busier in the work you have with in particular clients. Also, there's a lot of changes happening at the moment in relation to environment, new technologies. You hear about Philip there on about his YouTube channel and, and how well it's going. So, big aspect on social media at the moment. So, it's to keep up to date with all these changes and just knowing exactly what's going on to give the right advice to people like Philip and uh, other clients out there. So, it's just keeping on top of that um, is what I find the biggest challenge. As you heard, Phil appreciates Shane's willingness to provide advice and support at any moment. But as Phil's expertise as a farmer has grown, Shane has come to rely on him to spread the impact of Chagast's work even wider. The most rewarding is where you deal with people, uh, I suppose, like the stewards here and Philip and his family. So any time I would have um, asked Philip, look, could he do something for us, whether it be an article in a local newspaper, whether it be hold a discussion group, hold a farm walk. They have been uh, more than forthcoming in when it comes to doing that. So they like doing it. They have a good community around them. They do a lot of good things here on the farm. Uh, and I suppose it comes to sharing information. There's no nonsense. So look, you're get, it, it's told as it is, which people appreciate. Not all farmers are as proactive as Phil. That's why there's a lot of focus in Chagask on the discussion groups and farm walks that Shane mentioned. In this way, advice and support are passed on farmer to farmer, which can make things easier for those farmers who, for whatever reason, feel reluctant to ask an advisory service for inputs. I would have discovered through discussion groups where basically you'd have a group of farmers, of 10 or 15 farmers, out on a farm walk and some farmers will do a lot of talking and uh, some others will say very little until they get to know the other people in the group. And usually they'd find out after the meeting and talk to them, they'd, they'd say, well, look at, I thought I was doing things uh, wrong and then I come here and I see, look at, I'm not doing things too bad at all. So sometimes they're afraid maybe to make themselves look bad, you know, that they, that they don't know enough. Thanks to Shane Devaney there and to our reporter, Simon O'Reilly, who went to meet Shane and Farmer Phil on the Stewart family farm in beautiful Longford. <music> to get a broader view of the work of Chagask, I spoke to Barry Caslin, an energy and rural development specialist from the agency. And I began by asking him to tell us more about Chagask itself. Chagas is the Irish Agricultural and Food Development Authority. So it's a Gaelic word meaning knowledge or uh, information. Uh, so we're a national public body and we provide integrated research, uh, advisory and education and, and also training services to the Irish ag food industry. I think it's quite unique across Europe to have uh, research and advisory and education all together under the one umbrella. We deal with 45,000 clients, but we have a wider reach than that because of our public remit. We organize national events, public events. So we will be reaching out to 120,000 farmers uh, right across um, the Republic of Ireland. Agriculture is more important to the economies of some EU member states than others. Give us a sense of the place of farming in Irish society. It's very, very important in Ireland. In 2022, Ireland exported 18.7 billion euro worth of agri-food. Also in 2022, the main dairy cooperatives had a turnover 
of 8.5 billion euro and the agri-food value chain that contributed just over 21 billion euro in 2022. Um, the sector employs over 163,000 people, which is just over 7% of the total workforce on the island. But we export our in-demand produce to over 180 different countries. What are the main challenges for your organisation, given the critical importance of farming to social cohesion and livelihoods in Ireland that you mentioned there? We're trying to really lead at the moment and develop farm viability uh, amidst the challenge of climate, biodiversity and water quality challenges. We have a lot more clients to deal with. But I suppose the rate of increase in client numbers per advisor isn't really that sustainable from either the perspective of workload or service quality. And it's it's a major challenge within the advisory services at the moment. You know, there is a private advisory service, but Chagas has a public good as well. Its advantage uh, is that it's providing services that maybe a private advisory service wouldn't do in the areas of maybe, you know, climate change, you know, promoting the health and safety and farms, you know, tackling poverty reduction, you know, delivering services to smaller family operated farms who would be, I suppose, unlikely to be reached by the private service. You mentioned climate action. How are you approaching that goal in the context of supporting farmers' incomes and farm viability? We have a requirement to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions within the agricultural sector by 25% by 2030. So this is quite a big challenge. So that's why we've developed a network of signpost demonstration farms and also a network of 21 advisors appointed in this area specifically. So participating farmers in this program, um, and it's a public good, there's no charge for it, they're going to be given the opportunity to commit to taking actions on their farm. And it's supported by a digital platform called AgNav, Uh, And that's going to allow farmers to see and also to understand their carbon emissions uh, and I suppose their sequestration profile on their farm as a baseline on which they can act, also while maintaining farm profitability. Are you finding that farmers are enthusiastic adopters of digital tools to help them farm more efficiently? Digital technologies are really transforming the everyday lives of many people, right, not just in Ireland, but right, right across the globe. And this is quite, I suppose, a big challenge for us because digital skills are becoming an essential element of a modern advisory service and practice. And so there's a wide variety of digital tools available to the farm advisors. Most of them are underutilized, unfortunately. Uh, and I suppose farm advisors should be playing uh, a key role in providing the support to motivate farmers to, to adopt these type of technologies. But I think that the digital divide is very apparent also in advisory services, and not just in Ireland, but right across Europe. Barry Caslin there from Chagask. Thanks to him for his help in making our report from Ireland. Now, back to Iman Boat from DG Agri. Iman, what in particular stands out for you from our report? Two things uh, struck me. Uh, very interesting uh, to, to see what, what they're doing. Phil mentioned on being a member of a sort of peer group. So they discuss among with other farmers. And I think this exactly shows, and this is my experience as well, farmers really want to hear from other farmers. They want to see what others are doing. You learn far more from other farmers than from anybody else. Uh, the second thing that struck me was this really lots of technology around, digital technology, not used sufficiently or not, the the take up is not there, which is a pity, of course. 
Looking at the bigger picture, what kind of interventions does the Commission support to boost farm profitability and sustainable livelihoods? Essentially, we just make money available and then we help member states compare to also to see what other member states are doing. Uh, you can support investments, that's a, a simple thing. You can support uh, cooperation measures, so uh, farmers coming together, uh, doing things together. Farm advice can be subsidized. Um, you can have um, sort of cooperatives coming together that is supported, it can be supported as well uh, with money. So there's a whole package of, of interventions that can be supported, but it all depends on what the member state has programmed. Barry also mentioned that he's working a lot on helping farmers to become more environmentally responsible. So can the CAP clean up the environment and protect the livelihoods of farmers at the same time in a country like Ireland, which is so dependent on agriculture? I think the first thing to realise is that exactly because you want to, to preserve the environment, you need farmers. If you want to have farmers, the farmers need to have a, a decent living because otherwise they will go out of business. For me, that, that is a key issue. Secondly, there are, of course, when we just mentioned digital technologies. Most technologies that are on the market now are about making your production more uh, efficient. So you use less uh, fertilizer, less pesticide, less fuel to get the same output or even a slightly higher harvest. So you have both an economic benefit and an environmental benefit. I don't think there's a, always a contradiction. Iman, thanks for your input and also thanks to our other guests, Shane, Barry and, of course, Farmer Phil. That wraps up our mini-series on the environmental, social and economic aspects of the CAP and what struck me is the way in which they are also tightly interrelated and interdependent. Join us again soon for another episode of Food for Europe when we'll be looking again at the best of European food and farming. Until then, bon appétit. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. The climate affects immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 